Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that's dedicated to rewriting Hollywood Awards winning history. My name is Corey. I'm Jeff. How's it going, Jeff? Fantastic. In this podcast, we'll explore a year and a category from a previous Academy Awards and debate basically whether or not they fucked up and got it wrong. So first things first, we need to uh, get our year and our category. So let's go ahead and fire up our super time computer, Al. And he'll he'll give us a, a year and a category. So, and the year we will be debating today is the 1990 Academy Awards, or the 62nd Academy Awards, hosted by Billy Crystal. Oh, I believe this was the first year that Billy Crystal hosted. Yes, I believe it was. Yes, he's. You know what? In my opinion, one of the best Oscars hosts. Yeah, absolutely the best host to ever grace the stage. The Oscars ever had. So just to give everybody a kind of a picture of what 1989 was in the United States at the time, President George H.W. Bush was president with his very intelligent Vice President Dan Quayle. Oh, the first Bush. The first Bush. This is one of the best years for television. We had the first season of Simpsons, the first season of Cops, the first season of our favorite show, Quantum Leap. Yeah, that's amazing. First season of Seinfeld. And the first season of Doogie Howser. Also, the first season of one of the most amazing television shows on television, Baywatch. <laughs> that is a good year for TV. <laughs> it also was the first year that ABC introduced its TGIF lineup with Full House and Family Matters. Wow. TGIF started in 89? Yep. That, like, I don't know about you, but that sort of defined my childhood television watching. Me too. This is also the year that uh, Family Ties ended, mostly because Michael J. Fox had one of the biggest box office movies with right. Back to the Future Part 2. Uh, yeah, and uh, speaking of, you know, biggest box office <clears throat> movies, uh, let's go ahead and look, just for context, to get us back into the movie world, the top grossing movies of 1989. And, uh, you know, I bet we won't see any of our best picture category. No, because nobody ever <laughs> is nominated from the movies that people have uh, actually seen. We might, we might. Who knows? All right, so uh, num- number 10, uh, Dead Poets Society. Although that, I believe, is is one of the nominations. Dead Poets Society, Parenthood, then Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, and then we start getting into the meat of the movies that people actually watched. You know, uh, and, and what, you know, it's, it's really interesting. Like, every year, I feel like most, most years, you know, when the Academy Awards come out, um, there's a lot of movies on those lists where you're like, What? What what movie is that? By the way, the you know eight, nine, and ten here all very good <clears throat> movies. Um, Driving Miss Daisy, you know. Uh, then number seven, we get into like the sort of iconic movies of of, of the year: uh, Ghostbusters two, uh, the movie we just talked about uh, with uh, Michael J. Fox. The reason why he left Family Ties is because he was becoming a huge movie star, and he was in Back to the Future two, which is one of my favorite movies, one of my favorite trilogies of all time. Uh, so this and is a- Meredith Baxter Burney had a lot of Lifetime movies to do at that time. <laughs> sure she did. <laughs> uh, then after that, we get into the top five. Number five is Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Uh, number four, Look Who's Talking. So family movies were real popular. 
Look Who's Talking also made Bruce Willis one of the biggest stars of that year. One That's of the true. money-making stars of that year. Yeah, he made bank off of a movie that he probably didn't think was going to do much. Because he didn't, he wasn't like in the movie. He was a voice in the movie. It doubled his money from Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. He like, according to Al. Yeah, to Al, he got he got to uh, he got to hang out in a studio, do some voiceover work, and uh, then you know doubled the amount of money he made on Die Hard. I'm surprised he ever did and another. He crawled around in a in a vent. Right. That's what I'm, I'm surprised he ever did another action film after that, knowing like, yeah, I'll just be voiceover guy. Cause... Didn't he do like five more Look Who's Talkings after that? Uh, I think two. Okay. Yeah, I think I think he did, they did like Luke Who's Talking Two and then Luke Who's Talking Now. Yeah, uh, that he was all a yeah. part of. So he probably made quite a big chunk of money. You know, that's what put Rumor Willis through college. <laughs> the Luke Who's Talking money. Did she go to college? I fucking don't know. I <laughs> probably. I'll ask not. her at our next uh, at yeah. our next yeah, our next dinner our next, party. Our next junket. So we're, we're uh, number four. Luke Who's Talking. Number three. Lethal Weapon Two. By the way, lots of sequels on this. Uh, uh, it was a sequel year. It was a sequel year. You, you Back to the Future sequel, Ghostbusters sequel, Indiana Jones, and The Last Crusade. That is a, technically a third. It's the third one. It's the, it completes the trilogy. Um, Until that awful one was made with... Shia LaBeouf? Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, that one doesn't count. That's not a real Indiana Jones movie. So, you know, we can just pretend that it doesn't exist. And I do. So, num- number two, like you, you guessed, uh, Indiana Jones <clears throat> uh, and The Last Crusade. And then the number one... Highest grossing box office movie of 1989 going into award season is, and honestly, it was a complete phenomenon. And it's the best the one. It's the best one by far. I mean, it's the, the best one. It's not. It's best one. That's it's, absolutely the best one. It's pretty great, but it is also responsible for the highest grossing uh, actor of 1989, Jack Nicholson. It still holds up. And uh, it, well, it does hold up. Yeah, it's fantastic. And that's Batman, the original Batman, the Tim Burton Batman, which uh, which is fantastic. And uh, one that you will not see on the Oscars list. It's weird that you say the Tim Burton Batman when really it was Michael Keaton who carried that movie. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Mom does Dude, Batman. He kills it. In he's movie. great. No, he's fantastic. And and you know, if, if we were to go on, you know, to to movies that that don't include. You know, Oscar listings. Uh, we could go on for quite some time about uh, Batman specifically, like a whole episode on like why the original yeah. Batman is amazing. Um, but needless to say, Prince did the Prince did the theme song. He, he did the whole soundtrack. I think he yeah. he was like re- responsible for the uh, not the score but the the soundtrack. There's like four or five Prince songs that are in that movie. Uh, it's fantastic. The Bat Dance. <laughs> well, that's not as fantastic, but you know, <clears throat> I think the the Nolan Batman's though. To to your point. Um, do do a far <laughs> cooler job of making Batman happen. Um, there's some big big uh, like problems with the original Batman, but you you yeah, let it go, go because let's at go. the time, give me one, give me a problem. Uh, Alfred lets uh, Kim Basinger into the Batcave. So nobody's supposed that, to go in the Batcave. <laughs> he found that he loved her. Doesn't he matter. He loved her. He brought her in because he knew it's an alias. He doesn't tell anybody who the fuck he is. The only person supposed to know who he is is Alfred. And eventually, you know, Commissioner Gordon kind of finds out. But the like the first girl that comes over. If that's your Alfred's biggest, like, if that's your biggest problem with Batman, I'm okay with it because you know George Clooney had a way worse movie. Well, George Clooney had Val nipple, Kilmer had a way suit. worse movie. Val Kilmer couldn't run in the bat suit. It was it was super awkward. But regardless, and I, the movie was just. Terrible. Batman. That Batman, I think, was one of the best. I think it was the best, actually. Well, agree to disagree. Either way, it wasn't nominated for... I agree that you're wrong. <laughs> Either way, it wasn't nominated for an Oscar, which might be a snub. Um, So, Batman not nominated. 
hardly any of these were nominated. Let's go over the list of nominees for Best Picture in uh, 1990. So the Academy Award nominees for Best Picture in 1990 were... Driving Miss Daisy. Born on the 4th of July. Dead Poet Society. Field of Dreams. And My Left Foot. And which one won for Best Picture in 1990? Well, the winner ended up being Driving Miss Daisy. Wah, wah. I know, right? <laughs> it's, I mean... I mean, I it? watch it daily. <laughs> sure you do. I mean, it's, it's Jessica Tandy, right? And uh, is it Morgan Freeman's in it? God God is driving Daisy God around? God's in it. <laughs> and it's, it's a fine movie, I guess. It definitely is not Best Picture, especially considering... Well, no. There's a movie that hits all the marks for Best Picture. Sure. And there's a movie that hits all the marks for us, the viewer. Sure. And I think Driving Miss Daisy is one of those movies that hits all the marks for an Academy voter from 1990. Well, they're traditionally a lot older, so a movie about old people, yeah, will (laughs) typically get a better vote turnout, I guess. (laughs) I I think that the one thing that, that bothers me about this category is that and we've talked about this before, but Glory, which is one of my all-time favorite movies. Glory, Glory is fantastic. Yeah, why? Where is Glory on the this same list? year? Oh, the single tear. The single tear is amazing. Uh, that is that's where that comes from, man. Glory it is Denzel nominated. Washington. That is such a powerful scene too, where he's. I mean, no joke. I love that movie. That is a fantastic movie. I, that, I wouldn't. That. I would never joke about Glory. It's. It's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd joke about it. Oh, sure, I'd joke. Yeah, about, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd make fun of Matthew Broderick. I mean, I'd make and fun his, of and his mustache. Yeah, I'd make fun of his mustache. <laughs> um. Yeah, the Gl- Glorious is such a fantastic movie, um, and and one that like that's one of those where like if it's on TV, uh, and I don't care where it is in that movie, I go, oh fuck, Glory's on, and I'll just stop everything and watch the rest of Glory. Yeah, Amazon Prime actually used to have Glory on for its Prime movies, and I used to watch it, but now they took it off. So now I'm very mad, and I'm boycotting them for not having Glory on <laughs> Amazon Prime. Now you can't midnight watch Glory like you do. Yeah, and the <laughs> it it sucks because. You know, there's nothing. You know, when they put the substitution movies up, like you might also like this sure. instead of Glory. They're never the same. No, isn't Morgan Freeman also in Glory? He's also in Glory. He, he was in two fantastic movies that year. Holy shit! He played a much better part in Glory than he played in, in Driving Miss Daisy. I, I yeah, I agree. Well, Glory, Glory's a much more impactful film. You know, like I, I don't know what the fucking moral of or like what you're supposed to gain from Driving Miss Daisy. She's old and racist. I, I don't know. She's old, racist, and it's an inter- that she comes to have a of a of a camaraderie between the two people. But I, great, fantastic. I think there's a better Kevin, Kevin Costner built a fucking baseball field and Ghost played baseball on it. I know it. and Field of Dreams. <laughs> there's a better cultural story in Glory, and there's a better cultural story in Do the Right Thing, which also was not yeah, nominated. Yeah, Do the Right Thing was also snubbed for that for... year. Than there is in Driving Miss Daisy. I think you're right. It's about, about the age of the people who were voting. I think at that that's time. exactly what it is. That Oscar voters are traditionally old Hollywood types, and when they see two two things, when they see Hollywood represented, they typically vote in in large form for like you know a movie about movies, and then they also you know vote heavily on like oh it's a movie about older people. I mean Jessica Tandy even said when she and she got the Oscar that year that you guys only gave me the Oscar because I'm the old one. <laughs> I'm oldest the, I'm one the oldest. Yeah, I'm the oldest nominee. Basically, giving it to me before I die. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing the Oscars do when they haven't given someone an Oscar. Yeah, they sort of they, they sort of the hand sh- it out. Yeah, they just give it to the so that you know. Like uh, it's a makeup Oscar, I think is is what they what yeah. they refer to it as. 
I'm sure, you know, like Leonardo DiCaprio sat in the audience many times and watched uh, people <laughs> win awards, you know, for uh, previous work. And he's like, I fucking did so much for this role. <laughs> God damn it. Like The Revenant? Well, but he won for The Revenant. So, like, that sort of made up for it. But he did have to, like, he had to eat a real, like, liver out of a moose or something in order to win his Oscar. You know, whereas, like, you know, pre- previous years, he just did fantastic job regular acting. And, uh, you know, other actors, you know, did, you know, good jobs because they're good actors. But, like, <laughs> they didn't do as, you know, deep a dive into a character or, or whatever as, as he did that year. And, you know, they, they would go up in there and win, win their Oscar because of work they did, you know, 15 years earlier that they got snubbed for. Well, Jessica Tandy did win her first Oscar with Driving Miss Daisy. Fried Green Tomatoes is where she won her second, which is an awesome movie. See, I now, love warranted, she's great in Fried Green Tomatoes. I mean, she's good in Driving Miss Daisy, too, but, like, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what her competition is. We're not really talking about Best Actress. But we can. Week. I mean, that's... I, I mean, well, okay, who, who is she nominated against? Al? <laughs> Al, bring up uh, who Al. she was nominated against. Uh, Jessica Tandy obviously won for Driving Miss Daisy. Uh, then you have... Isabel uh, Ajani, I don't know. Uh, Pauline Collins, Shirley Valentine, Jessica Lang for the Music Box, and Michelle Pfeiffer the Fabulous Baker Boys. Ah, uh, you know what? Jessica Tandy probably deserved that. Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the competition that year, I would I think mean, that she'd get it. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know half of them. Frankly, where was Elizabeth Shue from Back to the Future Part Two? Right, taken, she took over a different actor's role, I know, right? And nobody noticed. She took on that role of Jennifer laying on the porch for the whole movie. Yeah, like, well, crazy. hold on, she, she got have, tranked through she, that movie. She got to put on old lady makeup, and that that wasn't enough yeah. to win over the voters because they were like fake old lady. But most of the women Real in that movie old were lady, played by Oscar. Michael J. Fox. That's true. <laughs> 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 yeah, he plays his own daughter. What about movie. Caroline real, in the real City? Weird. Where's her role? Where's her Oscar? Caroline in the City. Oh, for. <laughs> I was like, that's TV. Why would she get an Oscar for TV? Uh, Leah, Tom- she play- Leah Thompson. Thompson. She plays the mom. She does. She- and she's fantastic in, in uh, the Back to the Future movies. Yeah, I know. Her four lines, she says like the same line every movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so Here we- you are back in good old 1955. 1985. 19- or t- 2015 or whatever the fuck. Um, On the 30th floor. So go- going back to Best Picture then. Um, you, you know, let, let's let's dive deeper into the other the other nominees, and and really, I, I mean, I would like fuck it. Let's let's you just fuck it. No, let let's let's add glory to it because it was. So we're gonna say our the our, nominees plus glory. So everything has to compare to how good glory was. Yeah. Okay. So we have to see whether or not any of these other movies compare. To glory, or if they how well they compare to glory, and see if any of them will are as good as glory was. Yeah, pretty much because okay. I, I think that that's that's one of the bigger snubs of of the year. You know, is that glory was was not represented well uh, in the Academy Awards. I mean, Denzel Washington rightfully got his supporting actor uh, Academy Award uh, for his single tear, and his, it wasn't just a single. No, tier. it was, was a, great. He was great. I was going to say, and the rest of his powerful performance, but that single tear is iconic in cinema now. You know. Um, and that's the first time I remember seeing, you know, or like being, I, that's the first time I remember being like that moved by 
a character in a but movie. But didn't he also you know? win an Oscar for like Training Day or something? Stupid? That was that was a lead actor Oscar. Yeah, this was that was his supporting his actor. First yeah, that lead. was so. Stupid. That's one of those where they kind of gave it to him for other work that he had done, and for a career of good good on you, Denzel Washington. You got an Oscar, but he gets it for Training Day, which, which is, is not sh- it's not his best. It's it's not his best. But Glory, definitely one of his best, and he was rightfully... Um, he in such good movies like Glory, Philadelphia, all those movies. Yeah, he should have won for and Philadelphia. Then, yeah. So, this year we had... Okay, so obviously Driving Miss Daisy won. There was Born on the Fourth of July. We'll start with that one. Born on the Fourth of July, does that compare to Glory? They're both war movies. They are both war movies. How are we judging these, by the way? I mean, part of it part of it should should be like, you know, like how good the movie is in general. Okay, you, you know, like it was, it was written well, it was acted well, it was directed well. Like you know, like it's a solid movie. And then I, I think we should also gauge whether or not it's worth watching a second time or multiple times. I think multiple viewings is the thing. If whether we would want to watch it because we're we're the last two podcasts we've done, we really judged this whether or not we would want to watch this on a continual basis. Yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely a thing that would make a movie sort of quote unquote timeless. You know, and carry on the legacy of being a best picture winner. You know, is, okay, so is Al write that down. And then the last category for for you know what would make a best picture is does it hold up through time? Hold up through time. I got that. So does it hold up through time? Is it uh, just a well you know produced movie uh, all across the board? Acting, directing. See, okay, so writing. when your first thing where you say is and it then a good we movie? Watch it multiple times. If it's a good movie, I think we should scratch that and make it. The only way we can tell if it's a good movie is whether it can, holds up to multiple viewings. If it holds up through time, and I think if it if it's a movie that um, where the acting is compelling, because I mean, that makes up for a good movie. Because if you have yeah, compelling the, the, acting, good character. I mean, that, that's what I meant actually, by two like, things. So a good movie, like compelling it, acting and a great cast. Because because uh, like on this list, my left foot, it's a good movie. I don't ever want to see it again. <laughs> I saw it once. And I was like, yeah, that's that's a that's a good movie, but I can care less about seeing it ever again. Okay, so it sounds like we have a kind of a kind of a, a metric. Um, a metric for what we need. So we should got, we score them on, on these yes, things? Yes, I think okay. this is how we should score it. <clears throat> also, like, would you recommend somebody else watch that movie? Like if, if you found somebody who hadn't watched that movie, you would definitely tell them that like it's a must watch. Must watch film. Like Driving Miss Daisy, you could go your whole life without watching it. Like if somebody was like, oh, I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy, you'd be like, nah, you're not missing much. <laughs> okay, so you we know, got... We but got if, somebody, a... if somebody hadn't seen Glory, I'd be like, fuck, you got to see Glory. That's a great Civil War movie. Okay, we've got a five-finger system here. Five-finger system. Five-finger system. We've got, would you recommend the movie? Great cast, compelling acting, hold up through time, multiple viewings. All right. Okay, so... I like it. <laughs> Let's start with our Academy Award winner. Driving Miss Daisy. Driving Miss Daisy. So we've got multiple viewings. Would you watch it multiple times? Would I ever watch Driving Miss Daisy a second time? No. Have okay. I watched it a second time? I'm gonna agree. No. I'm gonna agree. No. <laughs> I watched it one time when I when it came out, so I was like nine years old when I first watched it. Yeah. I, I think technically I've seen it. You By the know, way, twice, you know, but I believe that I, just I, to be fair, some of these movies I want to rewatch. In preparing for a lot of these episodes, I have found a lot of movies that I want to go back and watch. Well, there's a difference between like watching a, a movie for you know like prep for the episode, um, 
and then there's a a like just it's Thursday night and you're scrolling through Netflix and this pops up in a thumbnail. Yeah, but even do you want to watch it? No, nah, I still wouldn't want to watch Driving Miss Daisy. Right? Uh, it just it. Uh... I would skip right past Driving Miss Daisy. Be like, yeah. yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Like uh, I said, technically I've seen it twice because I like, saw it when it came out and then I've I've seen it, um, like I guess the early twenties or whatever. Oddly and, enough, and I I was like, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't need to see this movie ever again. Because oddly enough, movies—I don't know why—but movies about like the South, um, that setting, I love. I love like Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, and oh, that's a great movie. And uh, Fried Green Tomatoes, and those kind of movies. Or uh, what's that? I love. What's that movie? Um, what's that movie with Samuel L. Jackson and Matthew McConaughey and Sandra Bullock? Oh, but you mean the, Time to Kill? Tri- yeah, Time or, to Kill. So, or, like, uh, yeah, I trial, love, I love trial movies, movies in the South. So, you like, like to Kill anything, a Mockingbird? Like, all like the, those are all good. No, yeah. so you like everything from what's his name? The guy that did Pelican Brief. And yeah, um, the, those are all really good movies. Uh, what's the other one with the kid? Oscar Caliber? I don't with know. The kid. But, um, the client, the same kind of thing. It's down south. It's got, yeah, it's got I, the, the setting. Is I great. mean, like, courtroom movies in general is, is one of my soft spots. See, but for me, like, when you know how you have a movie that takes New York and makes New York a another character of the movie. Yes. For me, I enjoy movies where they use the South as another character for the movie. Except for Benjamin Button. You're not a, you're not a fan of Benjamin Button, though, right? Yeah, I just didn't like the, the whole weird... That, that movie weirded me out. I, I like Benjamin Button, but that's another one well, where the, the sort of... That movie, I do, but, but, that's, but we'll that deal movie, with that later. But that movie weirded me out. <laughs> it fucking weirded me out, man. It is... Yeah, like old man, young kid Brad Pitt. Yeah, and, it's I odd, yeah. and also I didn't understand the damn point of that movie. Like, what's the, at the end? I'm like, okay, what's the point? I mean, it, it sort of falls in the same category as Forrest Gump that we covered last week. Like, no, no, but Forrest Gump, I get the point. <laughs> what's the point of a guy who who reverses himself in age? It doesn't make any well, sense. Well, one cool CG effects. Uh, yeah, two, but that's... It, it's the it's this uh, tortured love story where like, you know, a young girl meets meets a boy her age but he looks like an old, old man and they meet in the middle and have this this like nobody can see this but I'm rolling wild, my, I'm rolling my I know eyes. you are it's this it's this you do this crazy love story that can only exist in a fleeting moment and that's that whole thing in the middle there where all the events that lead up to you know the their life changing event yeah but it was a long movie for a very little payoff I I'll agree that the the payoff is minimal for what the potential of that movie could have been. Sure, but it's, it's like the whole it's movie. The you're, movie. It's the whole movie you're waiting to say, okay, what's he gonna look like in the end? Sure, what's a baby. He's just gonna look like a baby. Guess what? He looks like a fucking baby. He's just a baby a, a, who dies. Basically, and, and yeah, baby who who yeah, baby who dies. But you know, it's fucking terrible. That's you, awful. You know what's weird about that is uh, babies look like old people, so they look like tiny little old people. So it's really not that far off from reality. Yep. <laughs> it's a weird movie. Okay, so our five finger metric. Okay, so, so dri- driving Miss Daisy is it? Does it hold up through time? I, mean, I say yeah. I would say yeah. I think like, it holds up. There's nothing about it that feels dated because it's a one. It's a it's period a time, piece. It's a period piece. So you can't you can't go wrong with a period piece unless it's you know it's not like a Bill and Ted's where you're like oh dated. <laughs> I would have to say a Bill and, and also Ted's a period piece <laughs> holds up. Uh, as what it is, which is an '80s movie. Yeah, it, it's very it's very <laughs> it's a very dated genre, but like. George Carlin is awesome. Um, he's fantastic, man. but the yeah the the cheesy future that they run in that is uh, is well, very, it's about very dated. a band saving the world. I mean, you know. yeah, you know. Okay, um, so but you're driving Miss Daisy. If you watched it today, you wouldn't necessarily go, "Oh, this is a really old movie." Yeah, you know, like you wouldn't be put off by the fact that it's, you know, it was made twenty something years ago. Shit, almost like thirty years ago. Fuck. 
But if I watched it today, I, I wouldn't. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be distracting. So sure, yeah, it holds up. What about okay? So I want to combine the other two for this one into two. So compelling acting and great cast. I would say yes. I think it has great. Great. That's the one thing this movie has, which is compelling acting with Morgan Freeman. He's good in everything because he's God. Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, she she won the Academy Award for this, so. Obviously, her acting. Well, is good. obviously, with our entire podcast is about how the Academy Awards doesn't always get it right. Well, no, so no, I can't but, use them as the okay. She was she was <laughs> as nominated. Our metric for they, how they rarely nominate people that do bad jobs or nominate you know uh, four films. weddings and a funeral. <laughs> I mean, that got nominated because quiz it was show. Yeah, well, quiz show is a good movie. It's just not a great I movie. I disagree. It's fine. <laughs> But and yeah, she's she's. But a good, I will say Jessica Dandy and Morgan Freeman. She's are a good actress, and and he's a good actor, and they are the movie. So yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, it's a big movie about driving in a car. It was well casted, and they are compelling actors. Casted or cast? Well cast. Cast. Eh, cast. Casted. Cast. It was well cast. Casted. Cast. Cast. I think it's okay. cast. It was well cast. <laughs> Would you recommend this movie? Nah. <laughs> Not really. No. I, yeah. Like if somebody was like, "Oh, I've never seen Driving Miss Daisy." Like, would what would you say? Like, if you really want to see a, I would a, say driving a car with your mom. <laughs> yeah. You know, or drive your mom around in a car, and that's yeah, that's sort of you know. It, okay, so we give her four. We give her four fingers. Then what you're saying? Four. Four out of five fingers for Driving Miss Daisy. I thought we had two. Two of them not. No, we said it. It's it's. Oh yes, we give her three. Three. Three fingers for them. Born on the 4th of July. Okay, Born on the 4th of July. Tom Cruise movie. So that's a negative, yes? <laughs> Not necessarily. I mean... Wh- I'm just wh- kidding. I fucking love Tom Cruise movies, man. Wh- I'm just We'll joking. get to it. I like most Tom Cruise movies. He's he's good in, in like roles that he doesn't have to go too deep in. And no, like- he's good at the exact same movie. A guy who's a crazy kid in the beginning of the movie and then someone dies in the movie and then he learns to have responsibility and by the end of the movie he's more serious and learns his job better right something that which doesn't is, take a lot of depth which is the theme of color of money <laughs> top gun cocktail yeah. and every other tom cruise movie from 1980 80, oh, and uh, risky business risky business <laughs> he's i mean he's got a formula uh the o- older tom cruise is a better actor than younger tom cruise for sure um, Although I will say Mission Impossible movies are pretty damn good. The Mission Impossible movies are fantastic. The thing about like Mission Impossible movies is, is is one of those where like there isn't a huge like fervor for it, like a Harry Potter or like no Back when to they the come Future out there. Like, but when great. yeah, people go to see these movies because they're super entertaining, and they're really they're pretty good movies for the most part. I mean, I think like Mission Impossible Two is a little weak, but the rest of them have all been really good. What was the one that they had the really bad Metallica song on it? Oh, I don't know. Until it sleeps. I have, I have no idea. They made the video of a Metallica on top of a rock. Let's say that's Mission Impossible 2. Oh, man. I feel like that would that would have been like the, the sequel. Like, let's get a huge band <laughs> and make them sell out for our soundtrack. Yeah. Anyway, but back to uh, Born on the Fourth of July. Can it do multiple viewings? Multiple Can you see viewings. multiple? Now, remember, it's it's a very long, it's a very long movie. I, I can't I can't feel like I can sit down and just watch. Yeah, I don't think I would ever watch it again. I mean, yeah, of all the Tom Cruise movies, that is one I would never watch again. And Tom Cruise movies are generally pretty watchable multiple times. Yeah, you know, except yeah. for Vanilla Sky and well, Magnolia, Born on the July. <laughs> and Magnolia, <laughs> and the Stanley Kubrick one. 
Oh, Eyes Wide Shut. Eyes Wide yeah, Shut. That's like a not even watch once kind of movie. That one I, wa- I almost walked out of the theater watching. Yeah, that, that's a re- regret it while you're watching it kind of a movie. Yeah, it sounded good on paper. Sure. Tom Cruise, Nicole Kidman, Nicole Kidman, Stanley Kubrick, Sex and then, Club. I dude, <laughs> yes. When I, when I went to the theater, I didn't even know what it was about. Oh well, I, saw, I heard yeah. the director in the in the cast, and I was like, right. "This is gonna be great." Went and there, it, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" It was not great. Why is everybody naked all the time? And and why is this movie so bad? <laughs> <laughs> also, why is this terrible? Nicole Kidman was naked so much, people in the theater started laughing around me <laughs> every time they showed her ass. <laughs> probably not her ass too. It was probably just standing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say no. Like, I don't see, need to see the movie again. It kind of scarred me though. There's like a like a leg break in, early on in this movie where like it's a compound fracture, and that fucked me up as a little kid watching that movie. Um, it's like some some of the first time I saw like real like realistic visceral blood and guts and like like impact of war and and uh, weapons on a human. You know that wasn't like sensationalized. You know, the only movie that ever did that for me was that one with uh, the one with um, who's the guy from uh, who's the guy that everybody connects Six Degrees Will Smith. from? No. So oh, Kevin Bacon. Sorry, Kevin Bacon. Not the movie Six Degrees. Yeah, version. sorry. <laughs> no, the the Kevin Bacon movie, the horror movie, where all through the movie they have a girl putting her finger oh, down and they snap yes. her fingernail off. What movie was that? Oh, what the, the fuck movie was finger that? Na- and the tooth. And yeah, it's oh. it's awful. That movie is just so awful. Oh, what is that movie called? Al, oh, Al, Al. Ask what's Al. that movie called? Ask Al. Think of a movie from 1996 starring Kevin Bacon. It's a horror movie, and I can't remember what it is. It's uh, oh, Al will come up with it. All right, but moving on. So I think uh, Born on the Fourth of July definitely has compelling acting. It definitely has a good cast. It's Oliver Stone for God's sakes. He's gonna have a great cast and a great and great acting in his movies. I mean, I would say Tom Cruise is probably the weakest part of it. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. So, you know, because he's, he's the like lead, Chris Pine or a or a or <laughs> Chris, a Chris Pine, always with the Chris Pine. <laughs> Stir of Echoes. That's the movie. Yeah, that that movie will screw you up with the yeah, the nail breaking and the oh, tooth. Fuck. It's on the floor and it just oh, fucking cracks. Yeah. Oh god. I can see it in my head right now. Good special effect. It's a crazy good special effect. <sighs> um all right, anyway, back to Born on the Fourth of July. Would you recommend this movie? Well, no, no, cast. We're, we're talking about compelling, compelling cast, or c- compelling acting and well cast. I would say the acting in general is compelling, um, because otherwise it wouldn't be a very good movie. I think Tom Cruise is miscast, so I would give it points for for yeah, being I mean, compelling. Uh, but Chris Pine was only like six years old back then, sure, maybe he was. four. Yeah, so he wasn't around. It wouldn't have been very historically accurate yeah. for a six-year-old to be. Uh, maybe a that Vietnam Hemsworth vet. that's in uh, that's in Westworld. Maybe he could have done it. He's one a little of, older. Any of the Hemsworths. Yeah, one of them could have done it. <laughs> but um, so yeah, like I would say yes to. Maybe we'll just do half points. So yeah, we'll give it. We'll give this one three fingers. Three and a half fingers. Three and a half. All right. So, Dead Poet Society. Now, oh, this is dude. another one that was nominated that year. That's a fantastic movie. Stands the test of time. My God, I'm already gonna so tell good. you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes to all these. It's so. probably gonna get stacked up. <laughs> yeah, it's probably gonna get real so, stacked. Although up. you know what, I don't think I can say yes to multiple viewings. Okay, why? Because it's a very heavy movie. It just doesn't seem like one of those movies that I could. <clears throat> well, not just doesn't seem like a movie. It just it's not one of those movies I can watch over and over again. It's one of those movies you can watch every once in a while, but it's not just a movie that I can sit down and. And just repeatedly watched as a 
there's a lot of suicide in the movie. It's, right. a lot, it's a heavy movie. It's like trying to watch, you know, 13 Reasons Why. It's not a movie I can keep on binging. It's not like Friends, you know? <laughs> it it's is. Like, it, yeah, it's great when I first watch it, but, you know, when I, I can't keep watching it. But I, I would say that, like, given the right mindset and opportunity, like, to, you know, like, when your kid becomes a teenager or something like that, and yes. you want to expose them to cinema, like, good cinema or something like that, uh, that would be a movie that I would definitely say, oh, let's let's watch this movie. It's, it's well, yeah, really would movie. I recommend the movie? Absolutely. And I would, if I recommend it to somebody, or if I was going to have a, you know, date night and stay at home and watch and and say, we're going to watch a really good movie, I would definitely watch a movie like Dead Poet Society. If somebody didn't understand the reference of, oh, Captain, my captain, I would be like, you fucking have to watch you need to get- <laughs> Dead Poet Society, and if you have never seen it, you're an idiot. We need to stop dating, I think is exactly. what you would say. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So there are certain movies that you have to you have to have seen to understand the implications behind the movie and right. pop culture references and stuff. That's one of them. It's The movie is made to be a little more, like thought provoking in general you, you know about like you know life and what what it's all are you about trying to say like, that if you're not haven't seen that movie that you are not an intelligent no, person no that no, no. you are a deplorable no 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 <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie you just haven't seen the movie <laughs> i'm just kidding man i'm saying that uh, that uh, mo- no, I, yeah, movies I, I, like I, that sort of cater to um you, you know people who are who know the literary references they know the you, you know the um the philosophy behind the things they're into. I mean, it's a deep character study of, of those kids too. Um, and how they act before and after the the suicide event and all all that kind of stuff. I would definitely recommend it. I would watch it. I wouldn't watch it multiple times, but I wouldn't watch it. I wouldn't watch it like I would watch an action movie or something, but I would, I would watch it multiple times. It holds up through time. It does hold up through time. Um, not so much the movie itself, the story. Yeah. The movie in general holds up. It's yeah. Some, yeah, it's something you can watch, you know, now, ten years from now, and still be impacted by it the same way. And what about compelling acting and great casting? We've already absolutely that. compelling acting. The cast is fantastic. The the I mean, the people that they got to play those kids, um, Ethan it's like Hawk. Ethan Hawke is in that. Uh, Josh Charles is a great actor. Um, he does mostly TV work, but he he was in that. Um, Laura Flynn Boyle, and one of Robin Williams' best movies. That's debatable, but. I mean, it's a great movie that Robin Williams is, is a part he's had, of. He's had a lot of good movies. He does have a lot of great and movies. And I'm saying there's 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 some other. I mean, if you're going to do, you could do an entire entire panel on which ones are Robin Williams' great movies. Yes, he's you had could. a lot of them. I mean, yeah. I, I <clears> That's, that's agree some good you. company. <laughs> it you is. You got Awakenings, you know. The Fisher King. Fisher King. You've got. Um, Don't You called? Say Hook. <laughs> I was actually. <laughs> hook, hook is a fine movie. Uh, that one does not quite hold up. <laughs> It's a great movie. I was actually going to say um, Goodwill Hunting. Oh, Goodwill Hunting's fantastic too. Yeah. So we got cast, yes. Compelling acting, yes. We know, dude. We know it's a five. Come on. Is it a five? It's a five. I mean, you were you were teetering on the uh, multiple viewings. Is it a four and a half? Yeah, I give it four and a half. Four and a half. All right. Field of Dreams. Multiple viewings. Fuck yeah. Field of Dreams. Oh man. So this is one that it's got Darth Vader. It does. It does have Darth Vader. It's got Darth Vader. Uh yeah, it's got Ray Liotta. Yeah, Ray Liotta's his dad, Ray, yeah. or not his dad? He's uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson. He in is, that. yeah. Who's the guy that passed away? The older, older guy. The older guy that passed away. Burt Lancaster. Um, Field of Dreams was one of those movies that that I kind of missed 
uh, through most of my life. And um, one of those where people kept saying to me, oh my God, you haven't seen Field of Dreams? You gotta see Field of Dreams. You're one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> that I was said, like, how could you have not seen Field of Dreams? How is, how is it possible that you haven't seen Field of Dreams? Well, I finally that, saw- Now that is one of the best Kevin Costner films. My, my, Tim uh, Cup, way better. No, I don't. Yes. It's fine, but it's not great. You're also not a golfer. I'm not a golfer. If you're a golfer, that movie's great. Sure, but like- Don Johnson, that is the best golfing movie of all time. Hmm. I mean, better than Bagger Vance? <laughs> Bagger Vance is so stupid. It's bad. I would say that the best golfing movie is Happy Gilmore. That's because you've never golfed in your life. Yeah, because golfing is terrible and I'm bad at it. Well, if you're good at it, you wouldn't think that. <laughs> That's true. Let's, I, I don't want to bash golf anymore. <laughs> okay, so let's get back to Field of Dreams. So, is it good for multiple viewings? I would say yes, absolutely. Yes, Yes, I, I technically have only seen it once, but I would want to see it again. Okay. You know, have, having seen it so late, well, you know, like, I, I saw it so late, um, but I was completely enthralled with the movie when I saw it, and was like, everybody is right about this movie. <laughs> like, I can't believe I missed see, it. you should have watched it when I told you to. I should have, I should have. What about, does it hold up through time? Uh, seeing as I saw it late and was still wowed by it, absolutely. Awesome, Okay. And, um, and and I kind of knew. I mean, it's one of those movies too, where like it becomes part of pop culture. It's like all the references. It like if you build it, they will come. You know, all that kind of stuff. Like I kind of already knew what was going to happen in the movie, and even that didn't ruin it for me. You know, so yeah, absolutely holds up through through, uh, through time. Like I feel like I've seen the movie three times, but it really only only the one. Is there compelling acting and a great cast? I, I would say that there is a fantastic cast. I mean, it's got. Darth Vader and Burt Friggin Lancaster and Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta, <laughs> and Kevin Costner, who he wasn't, you know, the big star he he became until after that movie. But uh, yeah, I, w- I would say yes to both of those. So compelling acting and a great cast. Mm-hmm. And would you recommend this movie? I did. You, I recommended you, yeah, to you. You did. So yeah, and I I would too. I would definitely tell somebody to watch Field of Dreams. Awesome. So let's. What, how, what does it score? Oh, it's. It's a five, actually. It's a five. Perfect score for Field of Dreams. What did Depot decide to get? Four and a half. Four and a half. Ooh. My Left Foot. So, multiple viewings of My Left Foot. No. I would say no. Yeah, I, I like. I saw it once, and I'd never need to see that movie again. Yeah. It's, hold up. Hold up through time. I think it. Eh, yeah. It holds up. I, I don't know. No, I would say no. Are the Irish still the same? It feels like a dated movie, though. Like it, it, when I watched it, it felt like, oh, this is, this isn't is, a, isn't this is a, made in. I thought it was a period piece, though. Is it? Oh, it's like a, a biography piece. Um, compelling acting, of course. It's got Daniel Day Lewis. It's it's compelling acting. He won the Oscar this year for his and the and the foot. best supporting actor actress went to to the one, best supporting yeah the Irish lady yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. um. Great cast. Let's see. Would you recommend? I wouldn't recommend. I would not recommend this movie. Actually. Yeah, this is one where like if if you never watched My Left Foot, you're okay. There's yeah. plenty of other movies that are that are similar to it. If you really wanted to see a good movie like that, that if this one skipped you, it's fine. Yeah. So we're giving this one three fingers. Three fingers. So we gave this one the same as Driving Miss Daisy. So now okay. it's time for Glory. Okay, Glory. Adding Glory to to the, to the list. If we added Glory to the list, if it wasn't snubbed. Would we uh, recommend for? Would, do you think it's good for multiple viewings? Now I watch this movie all the time. Absolutely. So I would say yes, absolutely. It, it's one of those because 
because of the way the movie is is structured, it it's definitely one of those where you come into a certain moment of the movie and you're like, "Oh my god, this scene's about to come up." You know, it has a lot of those scenes like like just great scenes in a movie too where you're like, "Oh, oh this scene's coming up. I'm excited. I know exactly what happens in the scene. I know the outcome of the movie, but it doesn't matter because the stuff that's happening within those little micro pieces of this movie are so compelling that like, oh, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to watch this and I'm excited about what's coming next, you know. Do you think it holds up through time? Obviously it does because it's a period piece. It's a period piece. You're not going to look at it and be like, oh, this was definitely an 80s film. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Does it have compelling acting? Well, obviously it does. I mean, this has got some of the best acting. Some of the most compelling acting in this movie. And the cast is fantastic. It's got Dendell Washington. Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman. It's got uh, Matthew Broderick. One of Matthew Broderick's best films. Yeah, it's also got, we keep forgetting, but it's got, uh, what's his name from Robin Hood Men in Tights? Oh, Carrie Ellis. Carrie, yeah. Is that, how do you say his name? Carrie Elwes? Elwes? Yules? Elwes? 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 The Princess Bride. Princess Bride guy. Wesley. It's got Wesley. Wesley. Wesley's in it. As you wish. Yeah, it's got the the Dread Pirate Roberts in it. Yes, it does. Okay, uh, so yeah, great, great cast, compelling, absolutely. Both scores ones on both of those. And I'm gonna say I would definitely recommend this movie. I, I have, I love recommending this movie. I have recommended this movie. It's fantastic. It's it's such an impactful movie. Okay, so um, it's, it's a perfect score, huh? It's perfect. It's five. Perfect five. It's five fingers on our on our scale. So we have a, a tie then. Yes, we have a tie between Field of Dreams and Glory. Now. If if we were the if we were the academy and we were voting on these, what would you pick? Field of Dreams or Glory? Well, if we were actually in the academy, we would go Field of Dreams because they didn't even give a shit about Glory to nominate it. So, but it's our but this is our this is our show. So fuck them. So, what would you pick if it was between Field of Dreams and Glory? Eileen Glory. Glory. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've seen Field of Dreams once. Um, I really, really, really liked it. And want to see it again when I have, you know, an opportunity, you know, comes across my radar again. Glory, I've seen multiple times and have loved it every single time. I would say I like both of the movies. Glory would absolutely be the one I would say should get Best Picture that year. Mm. If it was just with the people that actually were nominated that year, I would pick Field of Dreams over all the other ones. Sure. But for sure, for sure, if I was to nominate anyone that came out that year, it would have been Glory. I, I completely agree. Hey, we agree. High five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right. So glory. I mean, sh- glory's no tin cup. So so. <laughs> my gosh, fucking tin cup. I mean, glory would have been. I mean, uh, tin cup would have been better if it had like Chris Pine. Sure. 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 Yeah. Uh, think of glory with with Chris Pine. My oh God. man, man! If Chris it, Pine played the, it would have been nominated Wesley's part. Wesley's part <laughs> or Denzel Washington's uh, wouldn't have been the same movie <laughs> it would have been nominated is all we're saying <laughs> alright so if in the grand question of whether they should switch the envelope absolutely they should switch the envelope they should have they should switch the envelope to somebody that wasn't even nominated yes because there was a better movie out that year that wasn't even nominated so the Academy in 1990 you fucked up give the award to Glory absolutely it's settled all right, let's go back to the future. Get out of 1990 and go back to the future. I feel good about that one. I do too. Maybe feel better as a person, actually. You know, 
I think I think we did good work here. People now know that Glory was the best picture made in 1989 and should have should have gotten that Oscar. What year did uh, Al? What year did uh, Kevin Costner win the best best uh, best director? I want to say Dance of the Wolves is like 1992. That's my guess. Nope. What? It was made in 1990. Oh. He must have won it in 1991. Hmm. It's a good time for Kevin Costner. He was on a skyrocketing career from Field of Dreams. I wonder what that must be like. Seven Academy Awards. Yeah. For that. It's crazy. Fuck. It's a fantastic film. Pretty weird for a guy that started out in porn. Kevin Costner started off in porn? Yeah. His first film was a was a semi pornographic movie called Sizzle Sizzletown USA. Sizzletown. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> but that was back when porn was really shitty regular movies that also had sex, right? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was probably like a uh, late night movie, mm. or like a Cinemax type of movie. Yeah, mm. oh, they didn't have cable back then, did they? They have cable movies like that, like that he would have been a part of. Oh, I'm sorry, Sizzle Beach, USA. Sizzle Beach, even better. Sizzle Town, Sizzle Beach. Kevin Costner. What's it rated? Um, I don't know. Uh, Al, let's see. Apparently, it was not released until after Kevin Costner was got famous. Oh, that's fucked up. That's really fucked up. <laughs> they were just holding on to this film that was real shitty. They're like, we should never release this. It's terrible. Oh, my God. The guy that's in it is winning Oscars and shit. We should totally release this film. It was, it was, it was uh, made between 1978 and 1979. Released when? Released in 1986. Ugh. After he'd already done some, after he'd already become kind of a celebrity, that he'd probably done that uh, um, that Navy movie by then. No Way Out, yeah, it came out in '87. Okay, yeah, No Way Out, Sizzle Beach, fun times. Trying to fuck up a actor's career by <laughs> releasing, by releasing a, a naked movie that he did. <laughs> it's so fucked up. Right, oh, those producers are assholes. I, want, a, I hope he he's sued just him. an actor. He's just an actor that needs some money, and then uh, Sizzle Beach USA comes out in nineteen eighty, in nineteen eighty six, which he did. He did uh, what eight years earlier? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he was probably like, you know, what I did that movie, I got paid, but it never came out. It's probably for the best, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> wait, what movie's coming out? It's straight straight to video, and then Cinemax got a hold of it. Right. Now it's it's uh, now nah, now it's probably a cult icon starring movie. Kevin Costner. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we did good work. Leave a comment on on any of the threads and tell us what movie you would like, uh, or not movie, what uh, specific year and category you think that the Academy fucked up and that should really have the envelope switched. Yeah, I'm thinking we should start, we should start doing some things other than Best Picture. I'm thinking the next time we should do like uh, maybe Best Actress. Sure. I mean, I, I'm I'm interested in diving into acting, maybe cinematography, screenwriting for sure, and uh, even maybe directing. All right. Well, I think uh, I think the only thing left to do is uh, is uh, dedicate this podcast. Yeah, I think we need to do our dedication. Who are we dedicating this episode to? Well, Corey, we'd like to dedicate this podcast to Sam Elliott, who plays Wade Garrett in the 1989 film Roadhouse. Great film. Great film. Absolutely. And it's got the sways. Oh, Brought to you by Riff Laugh Productions. 
Pete Pete's way is not in that film though. <laughs> Pete's ways? No, no, no. Pete like P E T E. Pete Swayze, not in that film. But Pe- peak peak Swayze. Peak Swayze. It was great time for Patrick Peek. Swayze. Peak. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Pete Pete's a deadbeat. Yeah, yeah. yeah.